May we run to the one who sees it all. May we run to the one who is working in the midst of it all. I just love it. May our hearts sing no other name than you, Jesus. May we pursue no other king than you, Jesus. Bless us now as we move into our time of of worship through the word. May we worship you in spirit and in truth and may it be pleasing and may we be challenged and may we be taught and may we grow. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Lie of the humbling honor to share with you this morning out of the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor Scott, for uh, I appreciate that that you share this position and that you allow others to come and share. Uh, it shows the the humble heart and of of our leader here in Pastor Scott. But uh, as we get into the Word this morning, I I want us to take really two approaches and, and kind of two sides to, to the Word this morning. And one is I want us to take a moment and I want us to remember a few things. I want us to be reminded of a few things. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I read uh, events like this in Scripture, events that, that we know the story, we know what happened. We've read it numerous times. We, we can sometimes tend to kind of skim over some of the finer details. Because we know there was a storm. We know that the disciples, we know Jesus calmed it. Okay, awesome, got it. What can we learn from that? So I want us to take a moment and, and to, to really settle in and think about this event. And I like, I don't know about you again, this is just me kind of sharing uh, surprises in my own life so that I don't forget. But I like to refer to these as events and not stories because they're actual history facts. They're things that took place in the life of Jesus as he ministered here uh, on this earth. And of the disciples who were following him and those who were there, they saw it. And they lived it and they experienced it. And so for my own mind, I like to just remember that these are historical events and not just stories in a book. Because this is a history book. Not a great fiction to check out at the library. And so just some of those things. So as we, as we dive in, the first part is I want us just to, to take a minute to think about a few things and, and remember this as we look at it, and then to go and look at it in our own lives, where we are and where we find ourselves. And so <clears throat> the first thing that I often overlook and forget, and, and really it's only recorded in Mark, but is that there was other boats there. There was other people there. It wasn't just the 12. We often think of those in the boat, and that's where our focus is, because they're the ones who are waking Jesus, and they're the ones that we read about. But as we see in this passage, there are others along. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And as Pastor Scott shared last week, you know, there were others there with the disciples that he was teaching, and this group was bigger than just the 12. Those are the 12 that he was focused on and spent the most time on. But then if we see this story here with Rembrandt, he forgot the other boats too, Right? We're going to come back to this in a minute, but, but I just want you to take a moment and look at this. And this is often where our focus falls. There's Jesus in the boat. And I, I don't know about you, Rembrandt's an amazing artist, but it almost looks a little bit peaceful there. There's some big waves, but the colors he chose and 
the scene that he paints, the lighting that he uses, it, it looks a bit peaceful to me. We'll come back to that in a minute. But, but there were others in the boat. Seth, you go ahead and take it down. Thanks, buddy. There were others in the boat. There were others there who experienced this. And now, here's another key piece to that for, for myself and for those who are in the biblical times. <clears throat> Oftentimes, as we look at the resurrection of Christ, one of the things that we use to prove that it actually took place was that there was numerous eyewitnesses. It wasn't just the 12 disciples who got together and said, okay, we just committed three years of our life and now we look like fools, so let's make up a great story and get our facts aligned and let's, let's put this out there that he rose from the dead. We'll go steal his body and we'll do these things and, and rose from the dead. No! Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive in those 40 days that he was here on earth after his resurrection, confirming what the disciples had already said. And it is through those eyewitnesses that the, the resurrection of Christ took validity for those who didn't see it. And it's the same thing here. It wasn't just the disciples coming in from the Sea of Galilee saying, y'all, that was crazy. You should hear this and someone going, well, they were all in the same boat. They probably put together a story, just try to confirm this Jesus. No. Those in the other boats were affected as well. Those in the other boats were afraid as well. And saw the power of the Savior stand and speak. And the wind and the waves calm. And so we can't forget the other boats that were there as well. Another thing I want us to remember is something that, again, for me, sometimes it's hard for me to, to wrap my mind around or um, keep in my mind as I continually read Scripture. I, I often just focus on the divinity of Jesus Christ, that He is God. But there are these points in Scripture where we are reminded that He was both fully God and fully man. And so as we read this in this scripture, it reminds me of that. As, as we see Jesus, he's been teaching, he's been preaching, he's tired, and he says, let's go across to the other side. In other words, let's get away from the people for a minute. And where do we find Jesus as the storm is raging? He is asleep in the bow of the boat, lying on the cushion. And we see the human limited side of Jesus as he is exhausted physically. Sleeping in the bow of the boat. Not just napping. These are those good sleeps. You know what I'm talking about. When you've worked all day and you crash and none of the world, you don't even know what's going on around you, right? Yeah, you know that one, right? That's where we find Jesus because as we continue to read, the waves are crashing in. It's not like he was uh, in this little protected space and dry and warm and everything's going on and uh, there's well sounds playing in the side or whatever you use to sleep, right? No, he was getting splashed too. This bow was open. He's getting wet and he's still sleeping. And so we see the human side, the fully man side of Christ as he's exhausted physically. But then we see the fully God side as he stands and speaks. And I love that in this story again, in this event, you don't see that the waves begin to lessen and the wind kind of slowly died away. And 15 minutes later, it was calm. No, immediately, immediately, the wind stopped and the sea was calm. And we see 
fully God. We see the two sides of Jesus. We see this, what seems like it can't fit, fitting together so perfectly. We see it on the cross. The physical death and pain that he suffered. And the spiritual life and freedom that he paid for. And when I see these scriptures, when I think about these things, it, it just it encourages me, and I hope it encourages you too. And, and one of the verses I go back to when I see things like this is in Hebrews 4. I just want to read it for you. Starting in verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Church, be encouraged. Hear that. This fully man side of Jesus means that we have a Savior, we have a King, we have a God who is seated at the right hand of the Father who knows what it is to be human, who knows what it is to be hungry, who knows what it is to be stressed, to be frustrated, to be sad, to be betrayed by those that he loved. That when we find ourselves sitting alone thinking, no one knows what I'm going through, there is a Savior who says, I do. And you are not alone. And I am here. That we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us. Wow. I love it. The Father reminds us of those things in His Word. And He did it all without sin. So not only do we have a high priest who can sympathize with us, we have one who can support us and point us in those directions and give us truth and encouragement and strength and in the midst of a storm to find peace that surpasses understanding that we may hold firm to our faith and boldly approach the throne of grace to cry out to the Father and know that He hears us. Wow. Amazing. They said amen too, all right? <laughs> the final piece that I, I want to focus on for just a moment, and again, as I just read this and thinking through the event, is the severity of the storm. We go through different storms in our lives, and there's different severities, but, but again, as I read this, and we saw the picture, you don't have to put it back up, but we saw the picture, and to me, again, maybe you don't see that, but it seems a little bit peaceful. Yes, there's a big wave crashing, but they're all kind of sitting in the back of the boat, and okay, a couple guys are trying to help, and yeah, but... When we think about this storm for a minute, you can take it down, Stetson. We think about this storm for a minute. We read about what we hear that says the wind came up greatly. You know, the, the wind picked up and started blowing, and the waves began to beat against the boat. Not like it's rocking just a little bit, but the waves are crashing in on the boat so much that it begins to fill up with water. They're overtaking the boat. And the disciples, some of these who are experienced fishermen who know what it is to be in a boat, 
in a storm. They've, they've weathered a few. Even they are afraid for their lives. Even they realize that if this continues and the waves keep coming, our ship is going to sink and we are not going to make it back to land. The severity of this storm is great. And as we think about those in the other boats, can you just, can you just see the picture in your mind as, as they're there being rocked and, and hit and splashed and they're wet and they're cold and the wind is blowing and they're wondering what's going to happen and, and the people in the boats are, where's Jesus? Where is he? He's sleeping. Wake him up. Right? Like you just, it, it was a scene of chaos in the midst of this storm. Oh, yeah. I don't know whose idea it was, but to wake him. Do you not care that we're about to die? Have you not noticed what's going on here? And then we get to Jesus' response. And we see Jesus, what he often does, and I believe is a good Example for us too is he calls us to minister today is he meets the immediate need because he knows as long as the storm is blowing, they're not going to hear a word that he has to say. So he rebukes the wind and says, peace be still and takes away the storm, takes away the distraction so that his voice can be heard. And he says to them, why are you so afraid? Other translations, why so fearful? And this again is one of those points in, uh, in Scripture where, where the translation from the original language into the English language, sometimes things can get lost. Because the Greek word that he uses there, the word that he uses there for afraid, the meaning behind this word is like cowardly fear. Okay, that fear that freezes you. That fear that takes your confidence. That fear that, that makes you lose faith. He says, why were you so afraid? Why did you lose faith in me? And this is that fear that we ourselves can have that can hold us back when God calls us to go. So he says, why, why were you cowards? I don't want that to sound overly harsh, but why, did you, why were you afraid in this way? Have you still no faith? Did you forget who was sleeping in the front of the boat? Have you not been a part of all the things that I've done? Did you not hear me say we were going to the other side? Not that someone shared this morning, they heard someone say, you know, Jesus didn't say we're going to the middle to drown. He said we're going to the other side. Did you guys forget that? That fear, why were you cowards in that moment? And then in their response in verse 41, the disciples says that they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And the word that they're using here for fear now is not that cowardly fear where, where you're frozen and you can't do anything and you lose confidence, but is that fear that respects the power that is before you. That fear that says that 
is very powerful. So I'm going to take one step back, but I'm not going to go away. I'm going to respect that and revere that power that is before me. And their faith was grown in that moment. This is the, the closest interpretation to the, to the Hebrew word in Proverbs 9 where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That same idea. Exceeding great fear, great respect and awe and reverence that came. Who is this? Who is this man who speaks and creation obeys? And their faith was grown. You see, in that moment, the disciples allowed the severity of the storm to distract them from the king who was sleeping in the bow. They allowed it to distract them from the power that was right there with them. And the same thing can happen to us in our own lives when the storms come. And we have to decide where does our fear reside? What type of fear will I take into this moment? Will it be a fear that paralyzes me and that fixes my focus on the things of this earth? Or will it be a fear to respect of a God who is working all things? And who is not surprised by the storm and who will take us through the storm. You see, it's not a question of if a storm comes, but rather when the storm comes. Will our faith grow or be hindered? In his book, Anvil, Max Lucado writes this. God, don't you care? Such an honest cry, a doggedly painful cry. I've asked that one before, haven't you? It's been screamed countless times. A mother weeps over a stillborn child. A husband is torn from his wife by a tragic accident. The tears of an eight-year-old fall on daddy's casket. And the question wails, God, don't you care? Why me? Why my friend? Why my business? Don't you care? It's the timeless question. The question asked by literally every person that has stalked this globe. There's never been a president, a worker, or a businessman who hasn't asked it. There's never been a soul who hasn't wrestled with the aching question, does my God care? Or is my pain God's great goof? As the winds howled and the sea raged and the impatient and frightened disciples screamed their fear at the sleeping Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? He could have kept on sleeping. He could have told them to shut up. He could have impatiently jumped up and angrily dismissed the storm. He could have pointed out their immaturity, but he didn't. With all the patience that only one who cares can have, he answered the question. He hushed the storm so the shivering disciples wouldn't miss his response. Jesus answered once and for all the aching dilemma of man, where is God when I hurt? He's listening. He's healing. That's where he is. He cares. And as we think about that, again, as we, as we, as we look at the account, it doesn't say 
that Jesus said, peace be still, everything was fine, they, and he took him immediately to the other side. There were still the effects of the storm of the disciples. There was still water in the boats that needed to be bailed out. There was still wet and cold. They were still shaking from the fear and the fright that they thought they were about to die. And they still had to get the rest of the way across the Sea of Galilee. I believe one of the greatest lies that has ever been told is that when you come to know Jesus, everything will just be okay. Nothing bad will ever happen again. But the greatest truth that can ever combat that is though you walk through difficult times, you will never be alone. Because He will always be by your side. 2020 has been a year of storms for so many people. Our family included. In January of 2020, we got a call that Aaron's mom uh, had a brain tumor. They were going to do brain surgery. So we went to Colorado they had the surgery. Things went great. Things seemed to be going good. Then in October, we got another call that the tumor was back. The cancer had spread. And as we sat talking with her medical team, their words to us were, you should probably get here as quick as you can. So the next day, we put them in the, the kids in the car and headed for Colorado. And in the midst of this storm, I learned so much through what God did, which I'll share in a moment, but also through our kids and their faithfulness and their hearts. Because you see, from that moment when we left, about a week, within a week and a half, Aaron's mom had passed away. Her father had had a stroke. We had to empty their apartment that they'd lived in for 20 years, and without either one of them decide what to keep and what to get up and how can we make it fit in a storage shed. And then prepare her father to move to Nebraska to live with his brother. And then head to Nebraska while he stayed in the rehab hospital to finish getting better and prepare their home for him to come. And the storm was raging. The storm was severe. But in the midst of that, every night as we sat around the dinner table as a family we were able to share with one another and go around the circle and say, this is what I saw God do today. This is where I saw his blessing in our life and in this moment. This is where he gave us strength. As Aaron shared, as, as she sat with the, the manager at the apartments, and she said, I've never seen corporate do this in 20 years, what they're doing for your dad, to let him out of this lease with what's going on doesn't happen, but somehow it happened today. And time and time again, and each day, celebrating our good, good God and Father who is walking with us through that. And our kids found a song called Into the Sea, and that kind of became our theme song as, as we walked through this. And and the chorus says, though the mountains may be thrown into the sea, though the, the ground may crumble beneath my feet, I can hear the Father say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And in those moments when it was hard driving between hospital and a hotel, hospital and apartment, Colorado and Nebraska, our kids would see the moment difficult and grab a tablet. Or grab a phone 
and just turn it on. And then I'd hear my kids in the back singing this song. And you probably didn't want to be in our car because pretty soon the whole family at the top of their lungs was just singing. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't forget the one who is sleeping in the bow of the boat. It's going to be okay. In this church family, as you supported us and prayed for us, and we came home to enough food to feed an army for three months, sitting in our living room awaiting us, the final blessing. Because as we left Nebraska, we knew we were coming home. Wow. Twenty twenty has been full of storms for everybody. COVID, that's enough said right there. The loss of family, the loss of this fellowship for a while when nobody could be together. Businesses, everybody is walking through those storms. And I don't know where you are today. Perhaps you are, you're in the middle of a storm. Perhaps there are things that are pulling on your mind right now trying to take your attention away from what you're doing in this very moment. Perhaps you've just walked through a storm and you're still reeling from it and you're still shivering in the boat saying, Father, help me in this to finish well. And we made it this far and, and I'm sorry I got distracted for a bit or whatever that might be, but you've, you've walked through that storm. Perhaps you see the clouds building on the horizon and you know there's a storm coming. And you need to settle your heart in on the Savior even now to prepare. Perhaps God has called you to walk alongside of someone who's in another boat. And He's called you to be that voice crying out for the moment and pointing them back and inviting them into the boat to sit with the Savior. Maybe for the first time. Maybe they've forgotten who He is. The storms will come. How will we respond? Where will our fear be? Where will our focus be as we walk with Him? So as we wrap up here this morning, as we ponder these things and Think about it. What I want to do is I want to just take a moment and I want to just read three scriptures over you. And my prayer is that they will encourage you and they will settle your heart and strengthen your faith and your foundation in our King. And wherever you find yourself, maybe you're on a mountaintop and there's just been a great victory. You may still be encouraged in who we serve and who is in the bow of the boat with us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. And wherever we find ourselves, may you speak to us. May you teach us. Thank you for your word that, that we could hear it and we could be encouraged and we could be uh, taught and grown and be reminded of who you are and pointed back to you. So now as we declare your word, your promise is that it will never return void. So go and do what you will do with it. 
to plant, to harvest, to cultivate. So church, where you are here, hear the word of our Father. First out of Deuteronomy 13.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Out of Philippians 4, as Paul writes, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In the victory cry of Romans 8, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for his good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against the elect of God? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us for the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, may we stand on that confidence. May we walk faithfully with you. May we not be distracted by the waves. But may they in turn point us back to you, our good Savior and King, our God who created the wind, who created the water, and in one word can bring peace. You never promised that storms wouldn't come, but you did promise that you would always be by our side. May we trust you. May we settle our hearts on you in worship. And as we do so, as we talked about last week, may we be a light unto the world that they may see and know that you are God and others may be encouraged to join us in the boat in the midst of the storm. And may you be glorified. May it work for your glory. Thank you that we are never alone. 
to the realm of eternity, it's going to be okay. We love you. As we take time this morning to first just ponder where we are, your faithfulness and your goodness. We celebrate your faithfulness in the storms that we have already walked through. May we strengthen our faith to trust you in the ones that are to come. As we move into our time of of giving this morning. May we gratefully return to you which you first given to us. For your glory, Lord.